don't try and play six degrees of separation with this film you're going to get it in one move and then the game's over i watched smile they say that i have shed innocent blood what's blood for if not for shedding We all go a little mad sometimes. Oh, I didn't know that was here. They're coming to get you, Barbara. When setting our expectations for a film, sometimes we look no further than the trailer. Other times we look a little bit deeper into the cast and, you know, where have I seen that guy or that gal was in a movie I liked and then you're sold or unsold. Well, sometimes we look even deeper at the X's and O's in the film. In this case, I looked at the X's and O's and the biggest X that I found was that this feature is a feature debut for director Parker Finn. He'd only directed two short films prior to this and his credit resume is really clean. Uh, Therefore, I didn't let the extra creepy trailers get me too high and I didn't let the underwhelming cast get me too low, nor do I ever. Rarely listen to online opinions, and uh, I actually enjoy when a film is full of actors I haven't seen much of, or if they're new to horror. With the buzz surrounding Smile, just going in with an open mind's a win in itself. Given how much the the message boards will tell you, well, this is the greatest film ever created by humans, or this film was garbage. Don't waste your time. I've heard that far too many times on good films. But the reason I wanted to bring up the resume of Parker Finn is because his relative lack of credits are exactly why I could enjoy this film for what it was without bias, without a single expectation other than to have fun being frightened by images on a giant screen. Simple, the way it was meant to be. Now, the theme for Smile is trauma. We'll say that word a lot in this review, and more specifically, it revolves around declining mental health due to traumas in all forms. Not a new concept. Many Americans pride themselves on being mental health advocates, I guess you could say, or mentally, uh, mental health cautious. That's probably more appropriate. Uh, Again, it's not a new concept in film either. We see time and time again the various mental afflictions explored in horror, but more times than not, there's an inner driving force causing outward effects metaphors allegories similes not smile this film culminates into an encounter with a very real material creature behind it all at least for our main character rose and she's played by sosie bacon and i like the casting of sosie bacon here i i don't don't let this thing you know be one of those times where you take something as an insult sosie bacon's a beautiful gal But she's also a gal I could see myself running into in town or at the bank or at the supermarket. 
See, I just did a review on Don't Worry Darling, and I don't think I'm running into Florence Pugh or Olivia Wilde while I'm looking for specials on Tennessee Bride Sausage. All right. And, and we're not here to talk about sausage. We're about to talk about bacon, Sosie Bacon. So the casting works for me because she's a real human and does real human things, letting flaws through while she's uh, annihilating a hamburger sitting in her car. Something I've done a million times. Or explaining to her family why there's a petrified cat in her nephew's birthday gift box. Spoiler alert. Damn fine job for a lady who was never really even supposed to get into acting per her parents. Um, you know, where my mind goes and I'm willing to be wrong is how is this Parker Finn's feature debut? And he's basically recycling multiple horror tropes. I'm not saying those tropes are overdone. I'm saying that he should have fresh ideas and it's kind of a recycle. I do want to give credit where it's due. The marketing campaign for Smile has been out of the box thinking. Genius, if I can throw that word around. I don't like to do that. But they've had paid actors show up in the crowds at Major League Baseball games, albeit it was an Oakland A's game and nobody really goes to those. Uh, on the, the Today Show behind Al Roker on screen, you can see him with a big old smile, you know, distracting just the way it was meant to be. And I believe somewhere along the way, Smile brought in new fans of the genre. Uh, you know, good on you for that, marketing team. But all in all, this film has an identity. And the way that you identify this film is with those creepy smiles. That's a big thing. Whether it's recycled or not, those smiles, that's going to make you remember, man, you remember the summer of 2023 when, or 2022 when that's, that smile movie came out? There are people all around town smiling at the camera, just frozen. Man, that was creepy shit. Love it. I mean, that's how you set yourself apart, right? That's good. That's really good stuff. But back to the recycled tropes for a feature film, for a first feature film, a debut. I'm not into another It Follows where the curse is passed from person to person. And that's what happens here. The curse, as it were, is passed down by witnessing traumatic events unfold, many by suicide, which might be a trigger for some people. But that's how Dr. Rose gets the curse to begin with. She works at a psychiatric hospital, all mental patients, and she's introduced to a distraught patient who claims she's seeing things in real life. Not in her mind, but in real life. And her breakdown occurs mere feet in front of Rose. And that's when we see the first smile. Uh, you know, Followed by the patient cutting herself from ear to ear, passing over the throat. Real bad. But, you know, this is the trauma that Rose sees that passes the curse on to her. And if you've seen It Follows, you know their curse is passed down through sex. But both times, it starts a timer. Countdown to death. And this is a trope you find in The Ring as well. The character sees the videotape, a few days of traumatic visions, followed by the culmination of events. Um, I just have a tough time swallowing the fact that such a talented guy gets... You know, funds from a big studio to recycle two old ideas. Granted, both films have some time under their belts, time to forget about them, uh, but nobody's really forgotten about It Follows. And The Ring is, you know, an iconic film on its own. Um, but those disturbing smiles are a great way to draw viewers, and it does give the film its own identity, like I said. I don't want to dissuade anybody from seeing the film, though. This film still has great moments, strong performance, a strong performance from Sosie Bacon. Jump scares plenty, and it's well worth a watch. It's well worth a visit to the movie theater to see it. 
Uh, the film runs over about 110, maybe 114, 15 minutes. So not too short, not too long. The pacing, unfolding of events never lingers. I didn't see any unnecessary or filler scenes. Dialogue is solid, informing exposition over being overly explicative. Um, you know, the, the final battle, though, not the struggle from within that the film's been building up for the first 85% of the runtime. No, you see, Mother was a menace. That's Rose's mother. And she did a number on Rose from childhood. She was so bad that Rose's sister had to leave home to find peace at a young age. And there's that leftover tension between the two sisters. Although they're still on speaking terms until the cat incident. You know, but the battle I referred to moments ago was a, a return to the childhood home where Rose sees not only a vision from her past of her mother, but also a monstrosity who's a gigantic hag in the form of the mother. Okay, like an actual physical embodiment, uh, a physical fight has to go on here. So Rose's mind does work against her in the final scene, though, uh, well, as it did throughout the film when she had some moments of almost derealization but it's not really derealization or depersonalization like and they're not hypno hypnopomic hallucinations but basically there's scenes where and, I, and i'm gonna fail you here on the vocabulary but it's you know scenes where rose goes through whatever whatever it is that's happening but then she comes to and realizes she's back in the first you know first part of it so for example, Rose went to the hospital to basically kill a guy to stop this cycle from happening. We see the scene. She stabs him multiple times. Crazy shit goes on around her. Somebody peels his own face off. And then she wakes up sitting in her car outside the hospital that she hasn't even entered yet. So it just rewinds back to that scene. And now maybe she can go in and do it again. Or maybe she can, oh, no, that, that shit just went crazy. So I'm going to. I'm going to drive off. There's a term for it. And I'm not really sure what that is. It's not coming to me, but this happens at the end. Rose es escapes that monstrosity. Uh, she makes it outside of the house, but then there's another threat outside the house, which forces her back inside the house with the monstrosity who then does get the best of Rose. Uh, by the time the threat outside, who was actually a helpful friend unbeknownst to Rose, he makes it inside to help. It's too late. Rose is found smiling herself. You know, the, the big smile, big creepy smile. Um, she sets herself on fire for a friend to see, thus implying the trauma is now his to bear. Again, passed on. There's never a happy ending in these films. But hey, listen, don't let a silly thing like recycled ideas and tropes dissuade you from seeing this film. The hype is real. I'm just a schmuck from Music City, Tennessee who uh, basically loves this shit. So please, if you enjoyed the show, give us a like, subscribe, share, tell all your friends about us at Slasher Sports. Until next time, may you drink the blood of your enemies from the skulls of their children.